Dave, your impressions of the last 30 minutes. All right. Now, good morning, Don. It's great to be here. You and I put on beautiful radio, I find, when we're together. And <laughs> yeah, I've always said the, that. For the next 90 minutes. Um, so my, my early impression is I, I'm not going to fall in love or hate with anybody anymore. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, we all fell in love with Joe Judge. Look at the way this guy speaks, addresses the media. He's going to be great. How that turned out. So uh, just, just for starters, I'm not playing that game. That being said, I think it's fair to say cautiously optimistic. Sounds like a no-nonsense guy. Wants to get in here and get to work. Not going to compare Daniel Jones to, uh, to Josh Allen. And he's saying, let's, let's just wait and see, and, and I'll prove myself. And that's kind of my stance on this. I'm not going to go crazy one way or the other. I'm excited. I think what excites me the most, Don, and I know there's a long answer, and I apologize, is no. that they have finally gone outside their comfort zone. That's right? it. It's, it's not another one of these guys who they know, who they can manipulate, any of that. It's finally someone that's outside their comfort zone. So that is what excites me here. Yeah, no, there's no question that they had to go outside the organization, and they have. And before the press conference, I mentioned that organizations that are looking to turn things around kind of attach themselves to other organizations. And you just brought in the assistant general manager and the offensive coordinator of a team that has dominated the AFC East for the last couple of years and looks like will for the foreseeable future. So that's certainly a good thing. Uh, the impression that I got both from uh, Joe and from... Uh, Brian is that Daniel Jones is the guy uh, that he oh, no is doubt. the quarterback of this team in 2022. That does not mean they'll give him the fifth year option. Doesn't mean he's the answer long term. But they both said the key things: we're going to bring in people, we're going to build a system around. These are little catchphrases that tell you that they are going to give him the opportunity in 2022 to win this job. I don't think they'll get suckered into giving them the fifth year option, but they will use this year to see what they have. So if you're looking for Aaron Rodgers, if you're looking for Russell Wilson, if you're looking for them to draft a quarterback in the first round, I don't think that's going to happen. I think your quarterback 2022 is an audition for Daniel Jones. Couldn't agree with you more. A couple things on that. Firstly, I've heard that Brian Dable not not kind of is, is lukewarm and, and even kind of likes Daniel Jones. I heard he really likes him. All right. Rex Ryan joined us this morning on DPH on Rothenberg and said just that. He said he's friends with Dable. He knows that he really likes him. So that's for starters. Secondly, um, they're not going to give him the 50-year option. It would be moronic. It would be, right. it would be what, what the Panthers just did with Sam Darnold, which makes absolutely no sense. But I think the most important thing is you can't have Mike Lennon, Colt McCoy, some two-bit backup quarterback ready to jump in if and when Daniel Jones gets hurt. It has to be a legitimate backup. So, again, promising. I don't know what's going to happen. Time will tell, but they have a lot of draft capital, and I sit here right now, and I'm very optimistic about the Giants. That's Straight Talk Wireless, no contracts, no compromise. The other thing that I felt, I don't want to say inconsistent about, but if you're going to read into these press conferences, I got the sense from Joe Shane that they plan on being competitive right away. And... I got the sense from Brian he's making no commitments whatsoever because he wants to look at this roster, he wants to look at film. So I didn't get any kind of commitment, and, and that's and that's fine. He should tell us how he feels. I didn't get any commitment that there is any pressure to go out there and win a bunch of games in 2022 from Brian. Listen, I, I think they could re- completely revamp the roster. Like, I, I mean, who, who, they're in salary cap disaster. Are they going to go out there and, and start cutting some of these real particular players that are, you know, high paid? Are they going to hang on to them? Like, I, I don't know. You know, for the first time in a long time, I, I really don't have an idea of what the plan is. I will say this, though. Um, Tom Brady's done. 
We don't know where Aaron Rodgers and or Russell Wilson is going to wind up. You're telling me that if Rodgers goes to the AFC, you look at the uh, NFC North. That's a, a one playoff team, right, from that division? NFC South, that's a one playoff team as well. Again, I, I'm not making any guarantees. They're a four-win team. They've been one of the laughing stocks of football for the better part of a decade at this point. But you're telling me, with looking at the draft capital they have, if they come in and they're well-coached, that they couldn't at least compete for that six or seven spot in the NFC? Well, I mean, I, I don't look outside the division. I look in the division. And, I mean, that's where you kind of you grade yourself, right? That's where the majority of your schedule come from. You know, So you look at the Dallas Cowboys, certainly are the class of the division, but what direction are they going to go after what was another disastrous playoff performance from them? Then you look at Washington and you look at Philadelphia. Why can't they be the Philadelphia of last year when it looked like they were going to be a last-place team and all of a sudden sneak in? So you just look at the competition around them. Dallas is obviously the team to beat in that division, but they could be every bit as good as Washington and Philadelphia if they hit the right buttons. And as far as the roster, if you want to give Daniel Jones weapons, there's weapons here mm-hmm. that, that you already paid for. Now, you got to you got to figure out this offensive line. they got to get Lemieux healthy. they got to figure out Hernandez. Um, Thomas has got to grow in his third year to being a, a legit tackle they've got to make sure they've got depth that this offensive line improves if it does with Galladay with uh uh with Barkley uh they've got they've Shepard they've got weapons here so I don't think you could, really when you say strip it down like Peter talks about uh on the Michael K show like burn it to the ground I I see the temptation to do that because they have been so awful the last couple of years but I look at it the other way with the cap hell you're in anyway and you want to see if Daniel Jones is the long-term answer, isn't it better to keep these guys on offense? If Graham comes back and doesn't get a head coaching job, which I don't think he will, I think this defense can be improved if everybody's healthy. That I know it's temporary. I don't think it's sustainable. But it is a great way to kind of audition to see if your quarterback can do some things and then move forward from there. No, I think you're right. Uh, when, when I was talking about stripping it down, I didn't mean the skill position. I mean, Bark, why, why am I going to move on from Saquon Barkley? He's still very reasonable. Right. And, and yeah, so unless you just get this overwhelming offer, I don't think you're going to trade him. Kenny Galladay, there's, not, there's nothing you can even do with him, right? Even if you, even if you wanted to move on, you right. can't you really move on. You drafted Tony from him. in the so, first round. Right. So you're, you're, you're right. You got Kadarius Tony, you would hope would, is going to be somewhat healthy and that they can figure out a way to, to use him properly as well. So, no, no, no. I just meant, like, is James Bradbury going to be back? Is Blake Martinez, if he's healthy, going to be back? Some of the guys on on defense. But uh, I think that he has to come in and Shane has to come in. And the, I mean, absolute number one thing that has to be fixed, and I'm not making guarantees, and I'm not saying they're going to go to a certain spot as far as competing for the playoffs or not. You have to fix this offensive line. It is disgraceful at this point that you got to the 11th hour of uh, of training camp, and it's like, oh my god, this line stinks. Let's bring in Billy Price. Let's bring in this guy from Baltimore. Like you right. can't, you have to fix this thing. You have the fifth pick. You have the seventh pick. You have two third round picks. You already have what looks like to be a legitimate starting big time left tackle. Figure out a way to make this offensive line good, not just mediocre, average, good. And then you put in Daniel Jones and Barkley and Tony, and we'll see what happens with Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, and then I think you have a real chance to have a nice offense here. The other thing I liked, and and, and this has been something that um, I've really felt forever, is he's going to allow the players to dictate the style. I, I think that's so important for a coach. I hate these coaches who come in and try to 
inundate their style and force players to think outside what they're capable of doing. I always I always use the analogy of Bill Parcells. It was it was ground and pound when he was with the Giants. All of a sudden, he had Drew Brees, um, not Drew Brees, uh, Drew Bledsoe in New England, and he's throwing sixty times a game. Like I I want I want him to look at his roster and then act accordingly. You know, and and I think that's important to be able to make that adjustment. And uh, yeah, you're going to have your certain styles and way of doing things, but I don't want you to come in here, look at the roster, and say this is the way I want you to play. I want you to see how they play. And they make the adjustments from there. Do you agree with that? I couldn't agree with you more. Isn't that what any good coach in any sport does? Yeah, I would is they, they look at the talent they have. Look, Pat Riley, right? Lakers, up yeah. and down, will score That's 127 right. points, and, and we're going we're gonna to outscore you. Pat Riley comes to the Knicks, and he looks at it, he's like, wait a minute, I can't go out there and score 127 points. We have to go out there, and we have to grind these games out by scoring 92 points and not allowing the opposition to take the basketball down the lane. So, yes, I couldn't agree with you more. You, you're, and maybe his style, if he's here for a long enough time, changes from when he starts here to 8, 10, 12 years in based on the talent that he has. But, yeah, you're 100% right. You will coach this team as mm-hmm. the talent that you have on this club. I thought the other thing he said, our job is to make the players be the best players they can be. I think this is the one sport where you still teach on the professional level. I don't think that happens in the other three major sports. I think you kind of have what you have. There's maybe little tweaks here and there to the to your swing or you know maybe a different way of running the bases in baseball and hockey, a different adjustment to a face-off. But for the most part, because of everything that they go through in the other sports, that by the time you get them on the professional level, they kind of are what they are. In football, I think it's completely different. These guys, uh, college, the adjustment from college to the pros, Dave, is like night and day. And I and I think you've got a chance, especially with young players, to kind of mold them and teach them. So I do think there's a lot of teaching that goes on in the NFL and, and trying to find a way to get players to play at their maximum. So the fact that that at least is on his agenda, I think, is a good thing, too. I think it's huge, and, and I think that coaching in the NFL – is more important than any sport, and it's it's not close, not even close. Like I like I, and I know that people that will yell at us or whatever. I actually believe that you and I could probably manage in Major League Baseball. Like I, I, if you gave me an NFL job, I wouldn't I wouldn't know the first thing that I was doing. The game is complex; it's confusing. There's so much to it. Um, so yeah, I think coaching the players, I think I think in game content, I think I think all of it. I think it is a big job. And again, we don't know. We just hope that this yeah. duo can come in here and change things. See, that's a, that's such a great point. And I, I mentioned this on the air. I, I've been saying it a lot, but especially this week with watching all of these games so intently on the playoff level. I don't care how well you do in an interview. I don't care about your press conference. I want to know what you're going to do in the game. And you're not going to know that until we get there. Like, there's no way to tap into that unless you just paint a bunch of scenarios and throw it at them in an interview. You know, what, when to go for two. You know, when to throw instead of pass. When to pass instead of throw. Like, all these things, in-game decisions are so vital. And they cost you games, Dave. They cost you games. So I don't need a press conference about you're going to chew the knees off of the competition or <laughs> you take a swipe at me, I'm going to take two swipes at you. Oh, That's all great. What are you going to do in the heat of the moment when the game is on the line? What decision are you going to make that's either going to win this game or lose this game. And that's what lost me on Joe Judge. That what lost me on a lot of the coaches they had here. In-game decisions are so vital, and that's going to end up being, at the end of the day, whether your team goes to the playoffs or two years from now they're looking for another head coach. Yeah, you're 100% right. 
right? So we can sit here today, and, and we'd love your calls at 800-919-3776. And, and of course, we're going to give our analysis and our, our opinions, but you're right. We, we don't know. I mean, we're, we're taking guesses. Uh, Shane looks good. Everyone that you've heard from that knows him, that's close to him, says he's a really bright guy. The fact that you don't have Dave Gettleman has to be a positive. Same thing with Dable across the board. The truth is, we're in a wait-and-see approach where we're optimistic this morning. Dave, there is one little concern before we get to the calls, and they're packed, so I want to get to them with one. Okay, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear it. Do you think there's a chance I can alleviate the concern, or will this linger regardless of no, what I No, I think I you're going to be in lockstep with me, and oh, I might great. actually get you more worried about it than you were before. <laughs> okay, this is terrific. I think the Maras are still very heavily involved, even though they went outside the organization. I do think they've got major sway. And the thing that bothers me the most about John, and I'm a John fan, you're a John fan. Mm-hmm. Even though I've been very critical of him over the last few years, I'm well, still I think a understandably, fan. right? He's had, yes. they've, done, they've done a bad job. I'm tired of being told that Chris is just this guy. He's, he's not that big a He's a major piece. He gets thanked. It's John, Chris, and Steve. John, Chris, and Steve. Thanks to John, Chris, and Steve for this opportunity. He was in every interview. Stop making Chris out to be just somebody that's on like the perimeter, that he's not like a big influencer in this organization. He is. He is. And we were sold a, sold a bill of goods a couple of weeks ago. No, no, no. He's not that big of a deal. He is a big deal. Why are you hiding that? I'll tell you why, because I don't I don't think they wanted to appear as if, you know, that they have so many cooks in the kitchen. Right. Right. Uh, Obviously, uh, John Mayer has always been heavily involved. Wellington Mayer was always involved. Steve Tisch is now becoming more involved. Now you're going to have Chris Mayer like people get get turned off and frustrated when there's so many people right. making football decisions that that aren't really football people. That being said, whether you like it or not. Whether you think he's good or not, Chris Mara is he's kind of a football guy. Like he that that is his Well, that that's his John's lineage. thing, too. He is. I mean, because they've been around it for so long, and it's not even that, you know, because obviously they're worried about the nepotism and all that. And I, I think this is more a thing for Joe than Brian. But, you know, John, when he had that initial press conference after they let Joe Judge go, was he may he kind of diminished Chris's role and just be honest. All right, don't 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 throw a, a, a sheet over my head to pretend it doesn't exist. All right, whether we accuse you of nepotism or not, it's not going to go away based on what you say. It's going to be the actions. And when I see two major hires happen within the organization, and Chris is like the second guy thanked, please don't diminish his role. If he's got a significant role, just say it. And then we could be we could ultimately decide whether he should be in that position or not. And obviously the way things have gone, I would say he probably doesn't belong in that position. You know, but he's he's John's brother and he's not obviously not going to go anywhere because Mara owns 50% of the team and we get that. We understand that. But don't tell me that he's just a, a piece in the puzzle or spoke in the wheel. He's a major, major influencer in this organization and should be praised or criticized as such. He should be a part of the evaluation of this organization. Don't hide it. Well, l- let's be fair. If his name wasn't Mara, is he still employed by the organization? I mean, that, I, that, I don't that would know, be my but because it is, now you start to lean towards the nepotism part. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I, think, I, think, I think it's a big part. The, the thing that I'm hopeful and I hope to God happens moving forward is that all the control and all of the you know, ideas that are now put forward because they are the Maras quiets down a little bit. See, 
you you want to win. That's the the utmost of, of any ownership group. Any anybody that works within any organization is is winning is the ultimate deodorant. Yeah. And if you're the Maras and you're winning, you are now gods here in New York. If you're the Maras and you're losing and you have your hands in everything going on, now all of a sudden you're you're the laughing stock, and that's what they've been. They have to recognize that now. Yeah, they have to, and hopefully these hires put them in the right direction. Let's go to bars in Jersey. You're on ESPN New York. Hey, guys, how you doing? What's up? Uh, I just, just to make a quick point about what you guys said, uh, at this point, why don't they just make Chris the president? John Mara steps away from being president, he's, like you guys just said. He's still 50% owner. I, I, there'd be no difference compared to what's happening right now. I don't know if there would be or, or wouldn't be. Uh, again, I, I really don't know exactly what Chris's fault or criticism or level of importance is other than the fact that he's been in the interviews and he's thanked by Joe and Brian during their press conferences. So John Mara made it seem like, oh, no, he's just a scout. He's just a, he's just a part of many people that work at this organization, and yet – he gets it. Does he get thanked because his last name is Maris? So you feel like you got to thank him? Well, I don't of hear course. John's wife or children being uh, thanked in co- press co- conference. Don, either. of course, that's the reason. Of course, he, he's he's the VP of player evaluation. Okay, he was well, promoted. That's, a position. To that's your, an important position. It's a very important position. But you you don't see other coaches, and so he's the senior vice president currently of player personnel since 2011. You don't you don't have other coaches getting jobs saying I'd like to thank the senior vice president of player personnel. He's thanked and he's revered because he's a Mara. And listen, that's just how it is. That's the truth. I just hope that the people that are responsible what's happened over the last decade get their fat hands off the process. That that uh, whoever it is, walk away. All right, <laughs> you had your chance. Whether it's John, whether it's Chris, we know it's not Steve because Steve is in Hollywood and he's he's not a silent partner, but he's certainly not involved in the football decisions. Well, it, sa- but, it sounds like he, he it sounds like well, um, Wellington sounds like um, John Marrow might have wanted to keep Joe Judge. And that Steve Tisch kind of, you know, helped push out Judge well, and, and bring in uh, the current regime. Cause, cause, and, and here's the thing. I mean, football, listen, just because you happen to be around football doesn't mean you know it. All right. Does Hal Steinbrenner know everything about baseball because he happened to be around his dad his whole life? He probably knows more than a lot of people, but doesn't necessarily make him an expert. You know, John's been around it his whole life, but does it make him necessarily the right guy to make all of these decisions? Even Wellington had his moments, Dave. You know, fans burning tickets and flying planes over the stadium, and then you hire George Young, and everything's right with the world. Right, but you, you know. hire George Young because the, the I mean, the right. The, the, right. I mean, the commissioner recognized <laughs> so, what a what a joke the franchise had become and stepped in to help. Right. So it's not like this. It's not like this franchise has had this this you know a hundred years almost now. Right. They started nineteen twenty five of just unlimited success. Don. They yeah. they've had a lot of moments where they were a disaster. Here's my problem with John in a nutshell. He's a really good guy and I think he knows football. But because this is the family business, he thinks with his heart instead of his head. All right, and that's why his instinct was to keep Joe Judge cuz he wants to be loyal. He doesn't want to fire people. And the firings that happened with Shermer and what happened with McAdoo became personal because of what happened with Eli. You know, so and that whole reason why they never hit the reset button was because he wanted to be loyal to Eli and give him another kick at the can. 
a, a good football decision would have been to get to leave Eli and to rebuild, but his heart wouldn't let him do it. So that's the problem is it's not really saying that John doesn't know football because how can you not when you've been around it for 50-plus years the way he was? But because it's the family business, his heart's way too involved in it. And sometimes and as a businessman, you can't you've got to make cold-blooded decisions that are right for the team. Yep, you're right. I mean, you, you have to make decisions that are calculated, that might make people unhappy, that might hurt relationships. All of those things for the betterment of the team has to be first and foremost for the fan for winning football. That's what it's got to be. That's right. And that's why, you know, and, and, I, and I think Wellington and, and, and who was in charge at the time, whether it's George uh, uh, Young or, or whether Ernie Accorsi, they had that ability, you know, and that's why you saw Phil Sims get cut. As as cutthroat as that was, it was a decision. It ended up not being the right one for Dave Brown, but it was the one they thought was right at the time. They didn't want to get caught up in loyalties. Same thing to, should have happened to Eli in looking back. But they just couldn't do it to him, and that's what put us really a lost decade. Oh, it's been terrible. I mean, had they recognized, had they recognized and acted on the fact that Eli was on the you know last couple of holes and taken a, a Patrick Mahomes, think of how different this conversation would be right now. Yeah, I know you're right, and that's that, that changes everything. Let's go to Mike in Brooklyn. You're on ESPN New York. Don, my idol and my love, Dave. How are you guys doing today? We're doing how great. You? Yeah, a little bonus show, Mike. Dave, I can't get enough of you. I want to say that it's a crime that it took ESPN this long to get you two on the show by yourselves together. I am loving every second of it. I love it. Well, they, Mike, Mike, I think Dave will agree. I think they know what it is, and they're scared of it. And they're terrified. scared of how big it would become. So they curtail it. They cage it. I think they're terrified. And, well, and years ago, Mike, we did quite a few shows, and it was wildly entertaining and very successful. So thanks for the comments. Well, it has to happen a lot more often. Um, I have two questions for you guys. Um, but I want to say my take on this um, is that I'm just happy overall because it sounds like we hire two normal, intelligent football guys. They're not talking down to us. They're not treating us like we don't know football. We hire two intelligent people who know how to get the work done. And, and it's... It, and they treat us like human beings. Oh, like Pat Shermer and Joe Judge and that disgraceful GM gentleman who just sounded as like he was God and we were a bunch of nobodies. All right? Um, so that, right off the bat, um, is a good start. Um, but my first question is, are you guys shocked on that Patrick Graham um, is being retained uh, um, as the DC? That's number one. And number two, um, um, as a backup Quarterback, would you guys rather have Fitzpatrick or more Mitchell Trubisky? I'm going to go hang up. You guys are amazing. Thank Keep you. it going, Dave. I love you. You already know that. Don, you do fantastic work as well. Keep it going, guys. Thanks, Very Mark. kind. Very nice. We we appreciate the the nice words, Don. I'll I'll, I'll take the second one. You can you can take the first one. Um, okay. Backup quarterback. Uh, I don't want Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? Right? He's, I mean, he's coming. He's going to be what thirty-eight years old, coming off a major injury. No, thank you. Trubisky 
has just been in, in the Dable system, has led a team, the Bears, for God's sakes, to the playoffs multiple times, that would be my selection over, over Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I don't think he's an ultimate solution. No. I think he can be your long-term answer, but as a backup, I, I would agree with you. Um, and as far as Patrick Graham, we're just a year removed from that defense being very good and him being a highly thought-of candidate to be a head coach. They took a step back. A lot of it had to do with injuries. You lose Blake Martinez. You lose Julius Peppers. Uh, uh, I, I think that affected them more than anything else. Now, is it a perfect defense? I mean, there was a time when they were healthy. They still can get off the field on third down. But you cannot judge this defense when they share the field with maybe the worst offense in football and maybe the worst offense in Giants history. Their defense wasn't bad. So even 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 this year, it wasn't bad. Right, I mean, it wasn't I, bad. It wasn't great. But no, look, you're not I don't home see about any it. reason, especially since he's got a relationship with Graham, why you would look elsewhere. Now you obviously give him the opportunity to get a head coaching job, but I've got no problem him coming back as well. They defined it right. That's what they said. He said yeah. that he was, and I actually didn't think when the question was asked, I was like, oh god, we're not going to get an answer here. You know, is is Patrick uh, Graham going to be your defensive coordinator? And yes, he he is going to be retained as defensive coordinator unless he gets a head coaching job. Yeah, now, I'm I, fine I, with that. I'm totally. How could you not be? You think he was the problem? Two years ago, they were great, and this past season, they were not great. They also had a million injuries, and they were they were fine. Like that, you don't look at the Giants' defense and say that was the problem. No, that wasn't the problem. The I mean, Bradbury was, took a turn. I don't know if that was Graham's fault, but. You know, Blake Martinez was really important to this team and losing him as quickly as they did. Peppers losing him. Again, is it is it the 2000 Ravens? No, no, but it was still the best part of this team the year before. Kept them alive longer than they should have. And I'm not going to judge a defense based on being on the field basically, you know, 40 minutes losing field position every single time they went out there. Um, knowing that they had to basically pitch a shutout for any chance to be successful. And that's no way to judge a defense. No, no. way. No. That, 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 they had zero chance coming into things with the way the offense is set up. And at some point, you have to figure there's going to be frustration, anger, distrust in the offense, and that's how it played out. Mm-hmm. And they, they were still, they, they were probably half the games you looked at the defense, you're like, oh, they're pretty good. And then the other half that they got smoked. But overall, I don't think defense was the problem with this team. Cullum in the Bronx. You're on ESPN New York. Don, Dave, what's going on? Squeaky Wheel gets the grief. That's why Dave is here today. Is that what you think? See, I, Don, I, I don't know if you know this. I, I complained last week that, that it was a big Giants day, and, and you were asked, and I was not. And I was, I was hurt by that. Not, not at you. Uh, and we called mm-hmm. Ryan Hurley, our program director, live on air to kind of get to the bottom of it. And he said, well, my day was already done. He wanted to give you the opportunity, and I hadn't been feeling well. Um, and I was hurt, and maybe that's the reason that I'm asked to do this today. Well. No matter how we got here, Cullum, we got here and we're better for it. Oh, definitely better for it. Dave is Dave is top notch. My my favorite on the station. But the two points that I want to make, I got one question and one point I want to make. I don't understand why people are hesitant to talk about, you know, drafting Linderbaum at seven or, you know, maybe just trading back a little bit to get him. Every time there's the top flight best available offensive offensive guard and center in the league, those are almost the safest picks possible. You look at Quentin Nelson and Martin from from the Cowboys. When they were drafted, every time you redo those drafts, they should have been drafted three or four or five picks higher. That's the biggest need for the Giants. I think at five, I think you double up at offensive linemen. And my question for you guys is if 
who's the best option at offensive coordinator? Because you guys already said that defensive coordinator is probably already locked up. I highly doubt he gets a head coaching job in um, Patrick Graham, so it seems like that's already a, a done deal. But what do you think is the best option? Where do you think they go with offensive coordinator? So, Don, I, I've heard Ken Dorsey yeah. will be either the offensive coordinator with, with the Bills, and I don't know why he wouldn't take that job, or the Giants. Apparently, he loves New York City, loves Brian Dable. But if you give me the option of I can be the OC for the Bills, what will, right. what will, what will catapult me quicker to a head coaching job in this league? I would, I would, I would go in the direction of, of Josh Allen in Buffalo. I would as well. I, I, just because of the quarterback and the situation that they're in. Um, so I, I, would, I would think he'd be off the table. Martindale? Well, he's that's a defensive coordinator. I mean, sorry, not well, who was who was I thinking about? Because we are because we're talking about the possibility of Wink Martindale or um, Rob Ryan taking over as the defensive coordinator. Those are the names that are getting bantied around. I I, I don't know where they go once Dorsey's gone. Uh, yeah, you got to figure it's going to be someone with ties to Dable, but I don't I don't have names beyond Dorsey either. And and I guess uh, Dable was just discussing um, with the media saying ideally he won't be the play caller. It'll it'll be uh, it'll be whatever OC they bring in, and then he'll help develop the offense and, and help with the game plan, but not ultimately make those play calls. Well, it's, it's really, um, those are important decisions to make. And, and, I, and I really think, I've always believed that your head coach should make them. And that's where you wonder, will, will John and Chris have a major say in who they bring in here? Do they have a major awful. say on Graham staying? That's also something that has to be talked about as well. Like again, I have no problem with Graham staying, but was that a Mara decision, or is Dayball taking responsibility for it by saying you know he already had a relationship with him and liked him? It's not going to be an issue because I think he'll do a good job. Right. Well, he's already shown that he's he's competent. And he's right. capable. You know what the thing is? There's distrust. Right. The the fan base with the organization and the decision makers. There's distrust. So until and I understand this until you start to see. The worm turn, Giants fans are going to feel a certain way about this organization. And, and to an extent, I do as well. Well, you have to. We, we, we've, we've been through this too many times over the last 10 years. It's not just the losing. You know, we had to go through the McAdoo. And then we had to go through Shermer. And this, this is the fourth time in 10 years we've had to go through this as far as the head coach is concerned. And the second time we've had to do it with a general manager. So it's a that's a lot of times to kind of just hope that they get it right. So you don't have any faith. Why would you have any faith? You can't. Uh, it's it's blind faith at this point. It's yeah, the just fact hope. That, yeah, the best, if, yeah. The best thing you could say is that just eventually you hit on enough women at the bar that eventually <laughs> somebody gives you your number. You know that, that's that's what you hope for. That's what you hope for. That's a that's a Michael K analogy if I ever heard one. Well, you got the show coming up. By the way, you have Dable on your show at four o'clock today, huh? Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to him. That's going to be terrific. I was just doing the math in my head, Dave, because we're we're similar ages. I'm going to be 54 in a couple of weeks, and you're you're 50 now, right? No, 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 no. no. But thank you. I will be 49 in a little more than a month. Okay, so, but but yeah, in the same demographic. So, what's the first head coach you remember rooting for? Ray Perkins. That's your first. Okay, so I go I go one deeper. I I remember John McVay. Yeah, no, I don't. So, Th- thankfully, I guess for me, I don't. But so, think about that. So, in your lifetime, which is not quite forty-nine years, well, I shouldn't say your lifetime because of your memory of Giants football. 
This will be your 10th head coach. My 11th. Okay. And they've had 20. Yeah. So in our memory, we you remember half of them, and I remember slightly more than half. I, maybe and now uh, now being alive because like me maybe Arnsbarger a little bit if I can if maybe if I was under hypnosis <laughs> but, <laughs> but you remember Bill Arnsbarger <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes yeah, just, yes I do all right so it's a little bit you know I, I might have watched games with my dad and have vague memories but I didn't have an understanding of the game you know in 74 75 um so that's that's pretty just crazy how they've gone through them. And it wasn't like the Giants that we, at least the, that I took over in the late 70s, was any good. They were dreadful. And yet, you know, from the, from the beginning of the franchise in 1925 until our memories kicked in, they had less coaches than in the time we've been alive. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah, but but you know what the amazing thing is you're saying from from 25 to to 74 that's that's not that long, Don. Like that's only only how long is that? That's that's like 50 years. Yeah. And sadly enough, from from 74 to now is basically 50 years. Yeah, so I guess they're doing it as right? So it seems like it is kind of in, in some it weird just, they, way. Well, they just just rapid fire recently though, right? Oh, that's what's so embarrassing. Right? You know, it's just, that's they, just they've embarrassed themselves. But all that said, I didn't think that was any reason to keep Joe Judge a third year no. just because you didn't want to fire a I third consecutive coach in two yeah, years Yeah, you and I are locked up there. It, it, the dumbest oh. rationale you could possibly have in that you're going to keep a guy because you don't like the way that you've been just firing guys willy-nilly? Well, I'm no, sorry. No. The guy was bad at his job. That's no way to do business. It's the 98.7 ESPN Super Box Bonanza. Be the second caller, since we're talking about coaches every two years with the Giants. Call. I'll be the second caller at 888-987-ESPN right now to win $20 FanDuel credit. Access for four to the FanDuel pregame virtual party hosted by Peter Rosenberg, Chris Carlin, and Super Bowl champ Chris Canty. And select a box for the big game in our $5,000 box pool. When selecting a box, winners could reveal one of 10 daily double prizes, including a Sonos smart speaker, gas-powered pizza oven, um, Beats, earbuds, and more. Remember, be listening to DPHRO and Rothenberg, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Of course, this show, uh, Bart and Han, and of course, the Michael K. Show throughout February 11th for your chance to be part of the Super Box Bonanza. It's all brought to you by FanDuel and 98.7 ESPN. You ready to go back to the calls? I love the calls. 1-800-919-3776. Lou, North Carolina. You're on ESPN New York. Hey, guys. Just have two quick questions. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson this morning was very adamant on Dayball has to continue to call the plays. So I want to know your opinion on that. And then also there were rumors about Ken Dorsey coming over from Buffalo to be the OC. Uh, would you be happy with Ken Dorsey or who else are you looking for maybe an OC position? I love. I would love if it was going to be Ken Dorsey. For, for the life of me, Don, I don't understand why he would take this job unless he's that desperate to be in New York City and, and his connection to Dable is that is that tight. But why would you come to work with Daniel Jones and the uncertainty of what the Giants well, present when you have Josh Allen right there in your backyard? I mean, listen, I'd love it, but you are 100% right. How, how could you do it? Because, again, you look at the Giants' recent history. Coaches getting fired every couple of years. 
You know, you're coming to the Giants with a with a unknown at quarterback, and even though you trust him and you love him, a first year head coach. I mean, who's to say in two years we're not going through this process again and then he's collateral damage where he stays in Buffalo. There's a chance the Bills win the Super Bowl next year and now all of a sudden he can become a candidate for a head coach uh, or certainly get a raise off of what he was able to accomplish in Buffalo. I would think the end game for any coordinator is to become a head coach. So I think every decision you made is what is the best path to becoming a head coach. You're telling me leaving Buffalo and coming to the Giants is going to help you or hinder you? It's going to hinder you. I mean, I hope it you helps think, you, but you, but I mean, you, if you want to be a head coach, what's the, what's the quicker path? To work with a you know, one of the top 5 quarterbacks in the in the world right now and Josh Allen or to come here to an organization that's been mired in in just bad football? combined with a quarterback that you don't know if he can play or not. No, it's it's not going to happen unless he just feels such tremendous loyalty to Dayball that which, he just wants which to Which he go. might. Right, he could. It, yeah, but uh, you would almost be picking the loyalty over just your self-worth. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to be a strange the, decision. I agree. I don't want to paint the Giants out to be abysmal because again, it, it might be a great job, and maybe Daniel Jones is the guy, or, or you know, maybe maybe he just loves the work and just would love the challenge, and maybe he maybe he looks at that and just believes in himself so much that hey, because because you could look at what's happening with the enemy in Kansas City, right? Where it's like he doesn't get any credit for what's happening because None. his head coach is an offensive guy and he's got one of the best quarterbacks in football. So maybe he thinks, listen, I'll really impress people. I'll go to the Giants, turn them around, and then I'll certainly get a head coaching job rather than everybody saying, well, sure, he won with Buffalo. Look who his quarterback is. It's Look what they were point. doing before he took over. I mean, you, well, if you win with Buffalo next year, what, what, what have you accomplished more than Dable just did? Right? Dable, Dable's the one that took Josh Allen from being a nothing, let's be fair, a nothing, a, a newbie in this league to being a great quarterback. And I think it's fair to say he's a great quarterback. If you are Ken Dorsey, you now take a great quarterback and lead him where? It's not like yeah, Josh Allen can't be any better next season right. than he was this season. Right. So uh, Dayball ends up getting uh, de facto credit for their success next year, and he doesn't get any. Um, actually, we're we're talking ourselves into where I think <laughs> yeah. it's a no brainer. Come to yes, the Ken, come to New York. This is the place for you. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I don't. I I I to be honest with you, it's not like it was like general managers, right? Like who's out there? You 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 hear some names, you read about some names, you look at the offenses that are good, but like the enemy's a really great example, right? They, and you, you hear some rumors about things off the field. and But I think the biggest thing with him more than anything else is that he gets no credit because who the quarterback is and who the head coach is. Yeah. If, if Listen, I will say this, and, and it still makes sense to me to stay in, in Buffalo. It's, a, it's by far the safer job and, and probably would be your quicker avenue to be a head coach in this league one day. If you come to New York and you somehow turn Daniel Jones into a good quarterback, the league will take notice with that as well. And the word is that Dayball is a Jones fan. Apparently he likes him a lot. Right. That's what uh, Rex Ryan told you this morning. That seems to be the consensus. So maybe he's in Dorsey's ear saying, listen, we got the quarterback. The world doesn't think so. New York doesn't think so. But I'm telling you, this kid can do it. And and between me and you, we're going to be able to turn him around. And you're going to get a lot of credit for that rather than staying in Buffalo and just basically looking like you're just feeding off the crumbs that I left that, that fell off of my table and my success. And uh, 
I guess it, as we've talked around it, it seems maybe a little bit more feasible. I still think that he may want to see this through in Buffalo and then over time, you know, still get that opportunity. I, I don't know. They're still they still haven't done it yet either, you know. So I mean that that could also become a problem. Like maybe maybe the Bills are a team that can get you know knock on the door, but they can't kick it down. Although I would not blame the offense for what happened in oh, Kansas City. It was last unbelievable. Week. That, they were great. Oh, and you know. It, I'm going to bring this up on the Michael K. Show. Okay. Do you want to save it for that, or do you want to? No, listen. It's a okay. different audience, and I'm talking to you, and we're close. Very. Does Does Mahomes and Andy Reid's legacy get affected by yesterday? Because unless there is some sort of health issue, you can make the case that that decision to dump the ball off the hill at the end of the second quarter carried into what was an abysmal second half. I don't want to take anything away from Cincinnati's defense. They probably made the necessary adjustments. But how do you go from basically scoring a touchdown on every possession to getting three points in the second half of a meaningful game? Then you go back to how long he seemed to carry the performance in the Super Bowl deep into the first half of this season. Does Mahomes kind of have a little bit of a mental block where sometimes he gets in his own head? I will say this. He was dreadful, Don, in the second half in overtime. I mean, dreadful. Yeah. The last, they could, they had first and goal at the four. They run the ball, and then from that moment on, they're at the three. I don't, I don't know what he was thinking. I don't know. I, I have no idea. He takes a sack at the nine, then he takes a sack and fumbles it, and this, I mean, basically baby field goal becomes a real field goal. They get the ball in overtime. And all you could see, Joe Burrow, we're, we're, we're done. We're not going to win. He goes, awful throw incomplete. Should have been picked off incomplete. And then he is picked off. So he was terrible. I mean, I, I think his QBR was like 99 in the first half. Unreal. And, and in the second half in overtime, it was 1.7 or something. So so there's that because of Mahomes. Who, who knows? He may end up going the direction of Aaron Rodgers. Like, I can't believe he only won one Super Bowl. And now Andy Reid, who had a lot of heat taken off of him for the Super Bowl that he won a couple of years ago, and then you look at the performance against Tampa in the Super Bowl, and then what happened yesterday, uh, you know, did we forget a lot of those miserable losses in Philadelphia that Andy Reid had and all those four straight championship games and all that? So uh, I know a lot of heat's off of me finally did win, but... God, there was a lot of things that happened in that second half that you got to pin on those two. That is a an egregious loss like that loss yesterday is as bad as you can have you're up 21-3 you give Cincinnati credit I get it Don but nobody looks at Cincinnati as a, as a power their defense is fine offensively they're very good you let they couldn't they couldn't even come close to stopping you in the first half and then and I think it all changed on the play where it was the one of the stupider plays you'll ever see. Really, where you don't get the guys into the end zone and you run this this you know in the field to play past to Tyree Kale who gets tackled and now you don't get any points when you had a guaranteed three and from that moment on it was never the same. Oh, well, guaranteed three. So 
so all right, I, I get it. Five seconds runs some sort of a play to take a shot for the touchdown, right? But not that play, and certainly, no. and I don't even blame Reed for that because that was certainly all on Mahomes dumping it off to Hill. Well, I would even what, what the hell is Tyreek Hill doing in the backfield right, like I, that? I, I don't even know what's going on there because obviously <laughs> you got no timeouts. You're not running the ball, right? right? Uh, unless Mahomes thought there were timeouts, he certainly tried to call. He tried one. to take one, so God <laughs> so, knows what he thought. So there's that's a possibility. But if you kick the field goal, it's twenty four three. You're up three touchdowns and the first possession of the second half. They're going to roll them. That play cost them. Cost them. Now, just I think just to clarify, I believe it was 21-10 at that point, 20, right? I'm sorry. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that, P. Right, Ryan had was, scored that screen yeah, pass right, touchdown. Yeah, right. That's right. 20, but either way. But still, if you go up 24-10 and get the ball. Right, you're, you're right. Because you, I'm thinking get the ball because I'm thinking they're scoring a touchdown every time they touch the ball, right? So it was, 20, yeah, it was 21-10 touchdown there or just a field goal you're up two touchdowns and, and you get the ball to start, to start the, second, the half. second half you know you know you know what gets in my head with these with these stupid picks on the k show is i start doing everything based on the spread and the spread was seven <laughs> so i'm just thinking of my i'm doing the math in my head like oh my like oh my i just couldn't believe it happened but still got to give cincinnati credit they made the plays they did well defensively but i think the game completely changes if they just kick a field goal, there. yep. I agree. Oh, what are you doing? What are that, you doing? That that is a horrendous loss. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it gets worse than that. No, it's tough. And listen, uh, it came off an exhilarating win the week before, but you know everything the Bills were feeling. I'm sure the Chiefs are feeling the exact same thing. And it just, it's unbelievable. Like after what I thought was a rough wild card week, a uh, weekend of football, uh, divisional round, championship oh. round, you couldn't ask for for anything better. Which will probably lead to a dud in the in the Super Bowl. I'm hoping that's not the case. 